0: But you know, why is actively encouraging independence really important for child growth?
1: Because I feel that a lot of the lessons that we teach our children are smaller, less intense, I guess, versions of the things or the skills that they need in adulthood, right? So I think that when we look at independence, which is something that, you know, is a really big component of adulting, as we all know, Um, once we, you know, if we were to raise a child and kind of eliminate that sense of independence from from their lives at an early age, acquiring that skill becomes a challenge when the time comes, right? So when they, you know, go off to university or even like going off to high school, right? So I think that that, um, independence is something that is so integral to most of their lives um, and so not including it very early on in life just makes that process a lot more challenging
0: mm. okay and how does age come into play with this is there such a thing as like you know, too young or too old for learning to do things independently Only three years mm. old hey go buy mm. yourself an apartment or, or at 17 you know like yeah. look you right. you know, yeah.
1: I think it really depends on what the task is right I would like to say there's no such thing as being too young to teach them elements of independence Mm -hmm. Um, but of course we're not going to expect a three year old to be able to catch the bus on their own to go and buy groceries for example right Um, but you know a three-year-old could very well be responsible for putting their toys away um, and could very well be responsible for putting their dirty laundry in the bin right Mm -hmm. so very simple things around the house um, I think a child should be introduced to as soon as they're able to kind of manage themselves in terms of like walking and grasping and things like that. Right. So if your child is eight months old and, and can barely kind of sit up on their own, then it's probably not advisable to try to give them a lot of these tasks and chores around the house. But um, I would absolutely say that if your child is mobile, they should be able to do very, very simple things, even if it's just putting their toys in one corner um, or even just just yeah, organizing themselves in that way. Um and then that way the transition from that to eventually doing their own laundry or learning how to operate a laundry machine um, or you know learning how to tidy up their room is not as big a jump i think the biggest mistake i see parents make is they kind of do most of that for the child in the early years and then when they hit a certain age mom and dad expect them to be able to know how to do all these things on their own uh, and that's where a lot of the either the um the uh you know behavioral issues start because they're just like why now why do i have to do this now um, or a lot of the confusion starts you don't know where to begin so i think that there is no such thing as being too early to start them on some
2: yeah, but if your child is 45, I think it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's time to let go.
0: You know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Live yeah. in your own side, yeah. yeah, no, I think that, you know, I think a lot of um, parents perhaps see the kickback or pushback happen in the teens when uh, more work is expected to be taken on board and mm-hmm. you just go okay uh, clean the house and do the laundry because that's been my experience it's like all right can you clean clean the living room and, and the kitchen uh, I, by the time I come back I want mm-hmm. it done and I get a very distraught and very angry uh, teenager going Ugh. you didn't tell yeah. me <laughs> what that actually means like does it what does it entail oh, like, right, so right, right, then you start to realize that for them cleaning stuff up they go in. they have an anxiety attack basically yeah. about the fact that they don't know what the hell that actually that, that means
2: step, right? yes
1: exactly so it's like telling somebody you need to cook a roast dinner um and not give them the instructions or not give them the recipe right so that's kind of how i see um giving kids you know the tools to yeah clean up the room you know like tidy up the kitchen that might be common sense to us because we might do them all the time. But for kids, like, what exactly does that mean? What do I use? Where do I put things? So I think that, you know, it's it's natural that kids are going to struggle with that. And of course, you know, at that age, they would much rather be doing other things, right? <laughs> so there's also that to kind of consider. So I think that, you know, more of the reason why if we're talking about chores or responsibility, um, the earlier, the better. So that at least by the time they hit 17 or 18, they've been doing it for a lot longer. Longer and it becomes more part of their routine um, than if you just kind of decided. Oh, okay, you're 15 now. You're 16 now. Here is, you know, here is a bucket load of responsibilities you now have to take on. Yeah, because mm-hmm.
2: I, I know. Uh a certain child psychologist actually went over to study in Australia and was expected to do her own laundry, and she kind of freaked out at one
1: point, right? I have no idea what you mean, but I can imagine that that would be very, very challenging, and the multiple loads of laundry that were damaged in the process. Right, right. Um, but but yes, exactly, 100% that example, yeah. right? So,
0: I mean... You know, we can talk about sort of like chunking down tasks and all of that to sort of um, make the kids understand better. But how do you deal with the frustrations of them failing at the tasks and how it affects them?
1: Mm. so I think you know especially with with younger kids when they're kind of getting into it, you know like I said earlier, be prepared for mistakes, be prepared for things not being perfect right um, and the whole point and, and I think you know it's it's important to also emphasize this I think that parents ex, you know expect for things to be done in the right way or perfectly, um, but they don't really focus on the fact that this is a learning opportunity, right? So I think that when you are uh, introducing something to your child and if they do make a mistake, which, you know, nine times out of 10, they probably will, um, you know, the main thing is to not one, you know, kind of, prosecute or get upset with them over that mistake and just be like oh okay so you know what we want to do or what we should do next time is so show them the solution show them where they went wrong without being mean without being harsh about it so that they can kind of go oh okay right and then emphasize that you know it's okay to make mistakes you know i made you know i ruined a bunch of laundry when i was your age you know i will say that to my child like and i've ruined a bunch of (laughs) laundry um and so that they can kind of know that like mistakes are a are part of the learning process. I think that that's something that a lot of kids struggle with um, when they see mistakes as a bad thing and they see mistakes as, as something to be ashamed over. Um, and when you're focused on sort of the result and the outcome, parents do run the risk of kind of encouraging that thinking. So whenever your child makes a mistake, whether it's about chores or schoolwork or anything, um, it's important not to kind of be harsh and kind of ridicule them or, you know, belittle them because of that, because they are learning. So, Make sure that you show them that you know these mistakes are normal, it's okay, we all make them right. But the next time you know not to pour the um softener directly onto the clothes, um, <laughs> and that you know those are things that you will yeah. so you don't stain all your clothes and you mm-hmm. learn from that, right? So I think it's teaching them the solutions is important.
2: Wow, that scar stayed with her for a while.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, a long time. I still check my clothes now to make sure
0: there's no you know,
2: middle of the yeah. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I know, I know also sometimes, you know, us parents, we forget what um, skills are in terms of uh, the, the things that happen with our kids. Like I, mm. I remember um, a friend's child going with my son to the cinema by themselves and the uh, friend who was actually a little bit older than him um had put down you know i think it was a 50 ringgit to buy something and he turned around for a second to talk to um, my son turned back and the money was gone mm-hmm. and um you can't really accuse the person of taking it or it, it dropping on the floor whatever and when you think about these things that they do mm-hmm. that do make you independent because it's not just household chores right um i think it's very easy for parents to forget what those skills are so I mean, do we still give them the same advice? Do we still mm. say, it's okay, you lost 100 bucks or mm. 50 bucks, you you missed the bus, you didn't mm. make it to school?
1: Mm. Well, I think it's, I mean, I, I think that it's possible to communicate the same message without necessarily saying it's okay, because of course, we don't want them to think that this is acceptable or this is something that that can happen again for you know no reason without learning from it so i think that it is possible to say like okay you know it's really unfortunate that you lost the money um you know and of course it's something that we can't We can't have happen regularly. So, you know, the next time you need to make sure that you're being really, really careful. Don't leave the money sitting on the counter. Make sure you look up the bus schedule. You know, so they kind of have to know that this is like, you know, it's, we understand that it's a mistake, but it's not something that you're going to be bailed out of. So do not give your child the $50 again or do not, you know, say like, oh, it's okay. I'll come and pick you up and send you to school. So we want to teach them how to come, how to be, like I've said a lot, like how to be resourceful, how to be constructive um you know so they kind of need to know that like oh it's okay mom and dad are gonna fix it like that's the mindset that just delays the whole independence right right? so i think that you know you don't have to yell you don't have to get angry but it is still necessary to point out that okay you know it, it sucks that you lost the money um, and it's and it's bad that you missed the bus. You know, it's a mistake. We get it. We all make them. But next time, this is what we should be doing to try to make sure that those things don't happen, right? So mm. I think that's kind of something that we have to focus on is teaching them how to find the, the next, solutions right. rather than just fixing it. Because I think that's mm. kind of part of the instinct of all parents, isn't it? Is to kind of try to fix things. But by fixing it and coming up with a solution for your child, you run the risk of them not learning, Right so yeah. I've had parents come to me and go like you know my kid has I actually had a parent tell me that their kid has lost a grand total of five Macbooks what yeah and not even a young child this was a teenager who whose parent purchased a Macbook for the child to go to school and the child would leave it at school or leave it on the bus or whatever and the parent had replaced the Macbook five times and yeah clearly there's actually no, the,
2: the second time replacement already is too much for me you're not going to get a brand that one anymore because yeah, you know, yeah. you're going to get a lower low end one
1: yes before. exactly right mm. and so I think that there's you know there's no there's no learning there because to the child it's like well okay yeah it sucks I probably got yelled at but you know in a couple of days brand new MacBook on the table so there's no there's no investment in that action on learning from that action um, so you know as much as parents you know I'm sure there's this innate need to fix, it is also important for kids to learn how to fix things themselves. The responsibility is that stuff, note,
2: yeah. though, do you remember mm. which parent it was? Can we get in touch with this parent? Because we also <laughs> need MacBooks to be honest. We, we would like MacBooks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I it was yeah
1: it's pretty shocking when
0: I found out about it. The the term independent play um you know refers to parents not interfering with their children during playtime. Mm. Is simply leaving them alone you know, the correct method to encourage independence from a young age?
1: Well, when I hear about, when, when I think of independent play, I think about more sort of child led play, right? So what that means to me is having your child kind of decide for themselves how they, what they want to play and how they want to play. Um, but I don't see that necessarily as a parent leaving the child to their own devices for the, for the entire day. I'm a strong believer that parents should at least be present, right? You need not be sitting next to the child 24-7, but at least be in the room and be aware of what's going on, engage with the child whenever possible, um, have the child involve you in whatever play, because again, this is teaching your child how to play with another human being, mm. which is an important social skill, right? So, As much as I feel, I agree that with independent play, we should let the child lead, let the child explore. If the child thinks that the cars should go on the walls, don't immediately get at them and tell them, no, it has to go on the floor, on the track, right? They need to learn and explore. So I think that when we look at independent play, you know, it's, it's 100% encouraged for the child to lead and to kind of figure it out on their own and play with things however they will. They want to use a pot as a hat rather than a pot, like let them, you know, mm-hmm. but um, to be involved and to be present, I think is still necessary.
0: Well, you know, talking about that, you know, um, generally speaking, Asian and Western parents have different ways of bringing up children. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. again, I reiterate that. Mm-hmm. What are the key areas where Asian parenting can stimmy or stymie independence?
1: Um, I think that there is, I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier, just that with Asian parents or Asian parenting, I've noticed there's a lot more of that. I don't know if coddling is the right word, but more of that. Uh, having provide everything for their child or do everything for their child for a lot longer. Um, I've got some parents who say to me that, you know, when we're talking about assessing, for example, motor skills, because that's a common thing that I do in in the clinic. Um, And I ask questions like, can your child manipulate buttons on the front of their shirt? Um, And the child is probably like seven or eight. And they're like, well, we don't know because nanny or grandma dresses them. Right. So this is a very Mm. common thing that I'm hearing where for expediency, for efficiency, you know, we tend to kind of do things for our children a lot more for a lot longer, right? I also think that just culturally, the whole practice of kids living at home until you get married and things like that, like it's, it's very unlike in, in Europe where, you know, even my husband would tell you like the minute you hit 18, it's like goodbye, right? So <laughs> I think it's a lot, it's, it's very different in that sense. And so there's this expectation that you are to care and provide and do a lot more for your child with Asian parenting than with Western parenting. Generally, like you said, right? Um, so I think that because of that, the, the codependency um, it kind of prolongs. Um, so I see um, a lot of a lot of uh, kids or a lot of young adults. Only discovering how to care for themselves when they've gotten married, when they're building their homes for the first time. Right. Then they're figuring out how to manage money, go to the supermarket, do laundry, you know, and this is like you know in your 20s or 30s, right? So so yeah, so I see that as kind of being where independence get a little bit delayed. But then again, I do see, especially a lot of the younger parents nowadays, um. Who are trying to kind of get around that and so they are practicing more uh, introduction of chores and kind of a little bit more independence in their kids lives we are seeing that shift but overall I do feel that with Asian parenting they, they try to provide a lot more for a lot longer
2: and this doesn't necessarily only happens in Asia itself. I've seen like Asian parents in a Western country, yes. they still have trouble letting go and doing yes, that. Yes, you
1: know? exactly. Yeah. I was watching this comedy skit by this guy, I don't know if you know Joe Coy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the he's, mom, half, right? he's yeah. half Asian, right? Yeah, yeah, he Filipino. Filipino yeah.
1: yeah, and he did this skit about how he only moved out at the age of 28. Yeah. Um, and he stood at the mom's front door and was just like, are you sure? Yeah. Like, you know, and, <laughs> and he only
2: like, moved to the garage, actually. And he him. only moved to the garage, <laughs>
1: exactly. And so, you know, it's such a, it's, it is it is a very a very Asian yeah. thing to, mm. to, you know, care for your kids for w- well into adulthood, you know? So, yeah. I
0: mean, this is laughable. We all know that person who, uh, you know, has had to learn things very late in life, but on a more sort of serious note in terms mm-hmm. of, development and even social interaction and mm. psyche even
1: mm. what are the
0: effects of overprotective parenting or coddling
1: i feel like you're not preparing these people for real life because you know i, I hate to sound cynical but life is can be pretty harsh yeah. and pretty unfair mm. um and you know i hate to say that it is it is that's the way it is but it is you know and so when i see people who you know, are coddled, are overprotected, their mean, resilience becomes a big question mark, but also just they feel very ill-equipped. Um, and that's actually a word that I've heard a few adults or, or young adults that I've worked with um, say when they think about life is that they feel ill-equipped um, because they weren't taught how to cope with uh, disappointment and failure and responsibility from a young age and you know when you hit a certain age or when you you know you know, you know get married or whatever the milestone um, society expects you to have all your ducks in order and expects you to know how to do things um, and they just don't feel like they have the tools and so from a logistical and practical perspective, that's already complicated. But like you said, from a psychological and emotional perspective, um, it's not healthy because people feel like they have failed at life or they feel like they can't handle the stress. And so it's, it's a really heartbreaking thing. Um, and, and I've seen a lot of parents you know, respond to that by saying, well, oh, it's okay if you can't cope, move back home. And, and that's not teaching them anything. Again, that's right. that urge to fix.
0: So that the idea of resilience then is actually tied to independence and the yeah. uh, accountability and responsibility that comes from figuring stuff out yourself, right? Very,
1: very much so. Because mm-hmm. resilience is about knowing how to overcome disappointment and failure and hardship. Um, because you know, if you're not somebody who can do that, or if you're not some something that can do that, you are therefore not resilient, right? So I think that when you are learning how to be independent and learning how to figure things out on your own. You are therefore learning how to be resilient. So yeah, that to me is the biggest consequence of, of being, of being raised to, to protected. Yeah.
0: On the opposite side of the spectrum though, you've got latchkey kids, you know, who get home, there's no adult supervision. Mm. They get the supper on. I know, uh, Yesterday, I I was, I was knew I was going to be gone long. I knew I'd be back late. I put the rice on and my message was, you know, make an omelet to go with the rice for dinner because he's more than capable. But, you know, there is that sort of element that I deal with as well. Some kids more than than that. Um, yeah. How does that affect them in the long run? Well,
1: I think that I, I, again, do think of my kids who, you know, I'm hearing come home and Nobody's nobody's around, right? Some kids are home alone for days on end because their parents travel or work overseas or whatever. So, I mean, absolutely, there is an other side of the spectrum that might be a little bit too much independent. And some of these like, kids
2: actually take care of younger siblings. Exactly. As well, right? Yes, and
1: yeah. other children at home. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, we have to remember again that this is if if it, this is a learning process for these kids, they are not inbuilt with the capabilities of taking on the responsibilities that you might be putting on their shoulders. Um, And when you overburden someone with something that they can't handle, and we've talked a lot on the show about neurological maturity and things like that. you do welcome the same risks of what we talked about earlier about from a mental health perspective, them feeling a little bit too overwhelmed. So, you know, I work with, for example, sixteen year olds, fourteen year olds whose, you know, parents are very much away having to not just provide for themselves, but organize for the bills to be paid and organize transport. And that's a lot to put my on a God.
2: kid. You I know, so- they a rocket ship by by itself. oh my God, while yeah. they're doing it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and and you know, and, and to, to credit to kids, a lot of them do kind of understand that it might not be something that they have a choice with because parents need to work and things like that. But mm-hmm. I feel like you know, they're I still feel that you know, kids are kids, and so while we want to teach them independence, we still have to parent. And when you don't, um, uh, when you're not doing that by not being present or at least expecting them to take on a lot or a majority of the adult responsibilities Mm -hmm. that that's very tricky because they might not be able to handle it so all these kids that I talk about who are growing up in this way you know we're seeing at the minimum behavioral issues, school absences, things like that, because there's no one to hold them accountable and they feel like it's too much to handle. Um, Mm -hmm. And on, and on the the extreme end, you're seeing kids with developing things like anxiety, social anxiety is a big one, depression. So I think that, you know, it's, it's something that parents have to be aware of. It's just like with independent play, we want them to explore. We want them to learn, but we can't be hands off entirely. Mm -hmm you know so and and until your child can demonstrate a capability of doing those things you should not be leaving them to do it on their own you know so yeah Hmm.
0: if there was to be a a clean and simple way or steps or even direction we should go how (laughs) do we properly transition our children to independence
1: so, you know, like I said, when it, when they're little, start with very simple things around the house that have to do with their own belongings, so their clothes and their toys, things like that, um, you know, transition that to their own managing themselves, so like brushing their own teeth or brushing their own hair, you know, start with activities like that. Um, I feel that you should kind of limit it to chores around the house up until they're probably in late primary. Um, once they've crossed over from late primary to high school, they can start taking on maybe a little bit more responsibility that involves like getting to school and things like that. Uh, mm. But again, still you need to be very much involved um, in their lives and at least be a safety net for them in the eventuality that they make mistakes or things don't work out. Right. So, mm. um, you know even when it comes to like finances like you can teach them how to handle pocket money so small amounts of allowances at that age but you're not giving them their entire savings account you know so yeah you, you kind of want to be able to still be very much on top of the stuff that they're doing Um, and once they reach adulthood you know they are going to need your guidance on how to yeah, manage the finances of their home and how to pay a car loan and how to do all those things Um, and you should absolutely let them be responsible for that but you can still provide advice and guidance wherever necessary but if your child has not yet reached adulthood and you find yourself giving them responsibilities that you yourself um, would have been doing at an older age um probably avoid doing those things right. at that stage yeah
0: and you know advice to those who have kids um who you know should be able to be doing certain things but struggling with that mm-hmm. um what's your advice to parents on, on how to sort of rejig things so that they can get on with learning how to do that for Mm. the kid's sake. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think the first thing to do is to start, is to start slow, right? So for anyone who's listening, who is concerned about an adult child or a teen child, uh, not knowing how to do a lot of these skills, it's not too late to teach them. Uh, but I would, ex- I would say that kind of just dumping it on them uh, out of the blue would probably result in a bad outcome. So what I would recommend is to just kind of slowly introduce it. So, you know, have conversations like, okay, so I think that it's about time that you start doing your own laundry. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a laundry basket for you with all of the cleaning supplies. And I actually saw saw. a family vlog on how a family did this. And I thought it was brilliant. So they have baskets with a little basket inside with all of the different cleaning solutions. They have mm-hmm. measuring cups and everything. Um, you know, and they said that, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays, you do your own laundry, right? If you need a shirt iron for school or whatever, I will still do it for you. But you know, your job on the weekend is this. So they have a little bit of what you're expecting them to learn. right Right. and then you but you give them lots of support and lots of tools and step-by-steps they know how to do that Um, if you need to incentivize them you can right so we've talked about token systems before or talked about reward systems you can if you need to but ultimately i think just kind of showing them that um you know that you're being given this responsibility you're going to be getting all the tools it's okay to make mistakes i'm still here but i'm not going to do them for you so if your duty is to do the laundry and you run out of clean underwear (laughs) dude like you know i'm sorry you go to school
0: without clean underwear you go to
1: school then do the flip method which a lot of boys seem to
2: understand how to do right
0: yeah
2: (laughs) but i already love the the idea of like the tiny little baskets in the laundry thing and i'm like wow i want to do i
0: I immediately thought of jd loving (laughs) the idea as well yeah
1: yeah. and having everything like pre-measured and yeah. yeah i think i think you know it makes it Fun for the kids, especially for little kids, hey, right? Fun Before for they... me. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely, case in point. <laughs> right. So, but I think it's also just to make it less overwhelming for them. Because if they're learning it for the first time, regardless of how old they are, right? But if you tell them to do it and then they don't do it
0: on the spot and you go, Oh fine, I will do it, defeats the purpose. Okay. Right. So giving timelines. I mean, yeah. like one thing you mentioned was Sasse and Sunday, for example, in the morning between mm. 8 and 10 is mm-hmm. your time to do the laundry cuz mm-hmm. that's the boundaries of of giving them clear instructions unlike me and that failed attempt of okay clean the house it's, it's yeah. you're doing baby it today and come right. back thinking, and it's yeah. just like yeah 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 baby steps right so Ch- giving them a, yeah giving them a
1: window and if they don't do it, it's okay because the consequence is that they're not going to have clean clothes tomorrow and that's the learning That's the learning curve, right? right? So they're going to go, mom, I don't have my PE shirt for tomorrow. And like, did you wash it on the weekend? You know, and be like, no. It's like, oof, okay. So you're probably not going to have a PE shirt at school today. What are we going to do about that, right? So mm. it's that's where resiliency comes in, right? Because if you go, okay, fine. I'll go and wash it for you quickly. Then they're going to know that Push comes to shove when the chips are down, mom's gonna wash my shirt. So that's where they're not learning. So it's important. I know that it's an instinct that all parents have that you know I just want to fix it, I want my kid to get in trouble at school, but they don't learn otherwise.
2: Now so, I now I remember why there are so many kids in school used to think.
1: Okay,
2: <laughs> but on another note, cat, hmm. let's say you're a parent who's done the job really really well, getting a kid ready for the big bad world out there, independent hmm. and everything. How then can we get parents to be prepared for the kids who are very, very independent and everything? Mm-hmm. But I think that's a whole other conversation to have, right?
0: Yep, yep, Yeah. What do you do when the parents can't let go? Let's do that next. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs>